1: We are live here on a football Friday on Birds 365. It's going to be a little different. Not today's show. we got two good guests coming today, so Birds 365 will be what it usually is. But, uh, John, I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly looking forward to Sunday. We do our Friday shows leading into the weekend every week. Um, For 22 consecutive weeks, we've had meaningful football to get ready for on Sunday. This week... It's the Pro Bowl we're getting ready for. And even though there are a bunch of Eagles there and more power to them, I hope they have a good game. hope they have a good time. Yeah, I'm not exactly pumped up for that. But uh, we'll cover that over the course of the show. But the number one story is Dougie P is back in the league. JM, did you see this one coming?
2: Um, I did see it coming at the end. Uh, there was a big lull there. Remember, Doug Peterson was the first – uh, first person interview for that job and circled all the way back and they ultimately ended up in the same space. I I, I don't think there's any question league-wide that the Jaguars decided on Byron Leftwich and there was sort of this uh, crack back from, from his camp that they didn't want to work with Trent Balky and they wanted to bring in Adrian Wilson as the general manager and he stood his ground very similar to the Doug Peterson standing his ground with the coaching staff here. Ultimately, they couldn't come to an agreement. Now, the original talk with Doug was he didn't work, want to work with Trent Baalke. So the only surprise is the timing. Ultimately, I think Rick Spielman's going to be there uh, as the sort of new football executive, whatever title they give him. And he's going to be the one sort of working hand in hand with, with Doug Peterson. Um, and I think, you know, that's very good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I I don't know why Shad Khan, uh, is, is moving forward with, with Trent Baalke still there. I mean, Trent Baalke still there. Um, it's one of those situations where if you're taking his power away, why aren't you, you know, I, it must be some kind of personal like personal relationship or something of that nature. Uh, but we'll see how that part of it shakes out. I, I, you know, the the Jaguars got a lot better if they're bringing in that. We know they're bringing in Doug Peterson, but if they're bringing in Doug Peterson and Rick Spielman, they're getting a lot better and they have the quarterback to build on the foundation. And I know Doug Peterson's excited about that to work with Trevor Lawrence. So happy for Doug Peterson. It's going to be interesting from a Philadelphia perspective, um, to see and and the Jaguars come and visit the Eagles this year at Lincoln Financial Field, but think about the AFC South, Jody. I mean, you're going to have Doug Peterson and Frank Wright twice a year. What? Well, who knows if Carson Wentz is there? Um, you might have Jonathan Gannon in Houston. He's a finalist there. That's gonna they're going to have to make a decision too. The AFC South could be getting a lot of television time in the philadelphia area right it could, if could be Philadelphia in the
1: south as a yeah. matter of fact yeah uh let me ask you a question about the jaguars uh you mentioned the rick spielman hire as well um do we know yet that trent falke is just going to be a figurehead do we not know that trent falke is going to be the guy who rick spielman is going to uh, report directly to we don't we don't have a clue yet as to what the power well i haven't
2: they haven't was, made the okay. hire yet but the, the 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 scuttlebutt around the league is spielman's going to report only the shad Khan, so he's he's going to be the one in charge and ultimately if he's not he's not going to go there i mean he's not going to go there for a position behind trent balky so you'll know uh relatively quickly if he's there Um, he's going to be in charge of the football operations. Um, and I would assume that's what Doug Peterson wants, uh, based on the fact that he didn't want to work with Trent Valkyrie in the first place. So I'm, I'm guessing at this point, that's going to be the end game of, of this particular sort of shuffling of the deck chairs in, Jacksonville. And then from the Jaguars perspective, you have to ask the question, well, if you wanted Byron Leftwich, why didn't you just hire the guy he wanted to be the GM? So, I mean, those are questions Chad, Chad
1: Khan's going to have to answer. All right. Uh, we'll take another step down this road. I like Byron Leftwich. I think he did a hell of a job last year working with Brady, working with Arians, the triumvirate of those three running that Tampa Bay offense all the way to a Super Bowl title and a uh, another pretty good lengthy run in the playoffs this year. Um, he's still relatively young. He has not had, had coaching experience. Did he have the gravitas to say, oh, yeah, I'll take your job, but only if you use my hand guy <laughs> as the general manager? We're dealing with all this talk about um, whether interviews for the Rooney Rule are actually being given a – realistic chance to get the job or is it just them fulfilling obligation to take interviews and a guy like Lefwich becomes the favorite to get a job and he comes in having never coached before with the stance of well if you bring my guy in as a general manager too well then yeah I'll sign on the Jacksonville Jaguars that's pretty presumptive if you ask me
2: yeah I mean I can see it from both uh both ways. What you just said, I get. Yeah, I mean, the guy's a, a 42-year-old guy. He's unproven in this league as a head coach. He's getting an opportunity to be a head coach, and you're making demands. That's not necessarily a good look. Um, on the other hand, you know, I see it from his perspective in that, look, he doesn't trust the guy, uh, Trent balky and he's not the only one. He's got a bad reputation around the league, so you got to look at Chad Khan, and he's saying to himself, Probably Um, you only get one shot at this, especially as an African-American in the history of this league. So if you go in there and stink up the joint because the GM is undercutting you and under not doing what you want is not working together. That's probably it. I mean, you'll, you'll get another job as a coordinator, but if your ultimate goal is to be a head coach, I get it from that perspective as well. You you get one opportunity, you want to hit the home run and you want to set everything up as best as possible. So if you do fail, you can look in the mirror and said, well, at least I failed doing the way I wanted to do it. So I kind of see it from both ends of the spectrum, but there's no doubt we're in a different generation where people expect more. I mean, in, in, a, in an older generation, if you got a job, you'd be thankful and you say, okay, I'll try to make the best of it. This, this, is a little bit different now. People want, uh, we look at Ben Simmons, I hate to bring up Ben all the time, but you know, he doesn't even want criticism and he wants people to, uh, go to his house, even if he doesn't answer their text message and, and love them up. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it's just where you are. And as an executive, and we'll talk to Randy Mueller, it's something you got to deal with. Do you want the guy? But I, I will say if from Shad Khan, that's, probably what i would have said i would have said well you know screw you i'm right. gonna go I'm, get somebody I'm else you
1: job and you're gonna dictate another hire i'm hiring you and you want to dictate another hire like i said pretty damn presumptive um, but then
2: again he's gonna he's going to hire somebody else for doug so i'm very confident in right that. but it's do not... you
1: do you have any information that doug suggested rick spielman was the guy as far as I know there's no crossover between those two guys how does that you No, know, appeal- but here's
2: one of the things and one thing I'm, I'm very interested of i I think it was our buddy Mike Garofolo first reported it a uh, couple weeks ago that Rick was close to getting a job and he wanted to bring in Doug uh, as the head coach in Jacksonville that's where it first started so I'll give I believe Mike was the first who reported it so I'll give him credit for that. One of the things I always laughed at the Eagles sport, and I still do it. I laughed at everybody that believes it. And I said this show on this show, when the Eagles uh, spun that Doug Peterson uh, with his coaching staff and didn't know anybody and didn't have any connections. I I, I mean, the guy played in the league for 13 years. Uh, The guy knows Rick Spielman, they're friends. They're grown to know each other from other avenues. This, this, Presumption that you don't know anybody if you didn't coach with them is absurd. I mean, the first uh, whisper of his defensive coordinator is Jim Caldwell, who wasn't one of his coaches, but he was with the Eagles. Um, and and you learn again, he had a 13-year playing career. He, he knows people. He knows everybody in this league. It's it's always been one of those dumb spins. And look, I get it. You're trying to make your decision look the best as humanly possible. And I I don't even blame the Eagles for it. I blame the people who bought it hook, line, and sinker. That this guy doesn't know anybody in the NFL. He knows everybody in the freaking NFL.
1: Which I think was actually pretty funny because you've reported this. The other guys in Eagle Beat have reported this. It's never been stated on the record by either of the two parties, the Eagles and or Doug Peterson. But I think you guys are right a big breaking point between Doug and the Eagles was Doug's desire to have more say over his very own staff. So they want to mock the guy because he didn't know anybody. We can't even took over a coach. He doesn't have good enough contacts. He's not feeling strongly enough about his staff. Then when he finally gets some nerve and says, here's what I want out of my staff, you go, oh, well, you don't get to dictate your staff. We can't have it both ways. You can't say the guy didn't make enough contacts as he was coming through the league. And then when he really gets strong about who he wants to work with and have on his staff, then you bounce him out the door. That's just stone-cold ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and I, I thought it was always an easy decision. I think if I were in that room and I would, was Jeffrey Laurie, I would say, okay, I, I don't agree with it. Uh, you know, Press Taylor's been uh, sort of the lightning rod that people started making fun of. And I, I've told that story. I think it's ironic. Doug Peterson didn't hire Press Taylor. Right, Press Taylor was did. here in the organization. The organization loved Press Taylor. The organization thought he was a a a, a young, uh, quickly rising coach with a lot of upside. You know, you even go back to the Super Bowl season, you remember they made it very clear who came up with this with the Philly special. That was that was Press Taylor, uh, who mined it from an old Minnesota-Chicago game. Uh, Chicago ran it on a two-point conversion. It succeeded. That's where he found it. Uh, they put it in. They had it in. They use it in the biggest moment, the Super Bowl. Um, he's a rising star, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, and by the way, there are plenty of things to criticize Taylor for. I thought he was way too close, personally, with Carson Wentz. I didn't think he was willing to be his boss. He was more of his friend. So it's not that I don't think you can criticize Press Taylor, but he was a rising star in the organization right up until Doug Peterson took an interest in it. <laughs> and then he was an idiot. I, I, I you know, I, and, and by the way, Frank Reich hired him right away, who, who was loved and beloved in this uh, city. Uh, and people now give him credit for Doug Peterson's offense, even though Frank Reich will tell you to your face 150 times, no, that was Doug's offense. And, uh, you know, but for whatever reason, people spend things the way they want to spend things. Um, and, and we'll see. I mean, those are the first two names floated out there. Press Taylor, Jim Caldwell uh, to be on his coaching staff. It's going to be interesting because I'll tell you this, Jody. I, I don't know what
1: what's today's date. I don't even know. Today would, I, be, I the Today would be the four year anniversary of the Super Bowl winning victory over the New England Patriots. for the February Philadelphia 4th, Eagles.
2: okay. So we got a long way to go till September. We don't even know what the schedule is. But uh, we do know the Jacksonville Jaguars are coming here uh, to play
1: the Philadelphia Eagles. And right. my
2: advice to Nick Sirianni is win that game.
1: Do anything to win that game. That's kind of a key one, yeah. That's a circle that as soon as the uh, schedule comes out, type game. How do you think, and there'll be a handful of guys left on this Eagle roster by the time 2022 rolls around, who are also on the 2017 Super Bowl winning roster. Uh it will be just a handful because that's what happens in the National Football League. Uh Father Time wins and players move on and teams move on. But there'll be a couple of guys left. How do they handle? They go over and do the bro hug thing in warm-ups. Uh, is there anything that is actually something that the Eagle fans can see a reaction to Doug P from his former players? you think it plays out on that day, whatever that day may be that we won't find out about when it is till April.
2: Yeah, I mean I think people will be happy to see Doug. And certainly his his players loved him. I mean, there'll there'll be no issues from that perspective. I think even the organization will be very gracious and, and thank him for coming back. I think the fans will be as well for the most part. But you know, once kickoff starts, they're they're gonna want to win that game. They're gonna want to prove they were right. Maybe they were right. I I don't know. It's just gonna be interesting. It is good for the Eagles. He's in the other conference, and you're not going to see him that often. It just happens to work out. You're going to see him this year. Um, but it is going to be interesting to watch it from afar and and to see, because that is a bad organization. And if he can turn that organization around, well, there's no more uh, whispers about Doug Peterson. I think there was too much – and, and a lot of this is human nature and that, you know, Jeffrey and Howie wanted credit for the Super Bowl and Doug got more of the credit because he's the head coach. And, I I you know, I think there was a little bit, a little twins of jealousy uh, that started all this. And it ended where it ended. It shouldn't have ended. Doug should have been given. I've said it a hundred times. I still believe it. He should have been given another year. Then if he fails, then fire. Fine with his guys, and he wanted Press Taylor to be the offensive coordinator, Matt Burke to be the defensive coordinator, and if he couldn't get Matt Burke, it was going to be Corey Unlin, and people snicker at that, fine. Then if he fails, he fails. But he he earned the right to pick who he wanted to pick on his coaching staff.
1: Uh, that was an opinion that was shared by many when the divorce happened between <clears throat> Doug Peterson and the Eagles. Um, they ended up with Nick Sirianni. At least they seem to have landed on their feet with their pl- replacement choice. But good for Doug Peterson in that he's getting a job just one year out, which, oh, by the way, he cashed Eagle checks all throughout this year because he had time to go left on his contract. So we didn't didn't have to come up with a GoFundMe page for Dougie P. He got to get out, play some golf, and enjoy his life and – Go watch his son play. But he's right back in the mix after only one year, which is not a bad thing. Some guys wait a lot longer than that. Some get lucky and turn around and get a job right away. Doug was hurt by the fact that the Eagles waited a week before they decided they were going to move on from him. And usually the the chopping block comes as soon as the season is over and done with. The Monday thereafter, the Tuesday thereafter. Doug didn't get his walking papers till a week later, so that compromised his possibility of getting a job last year. Well, a year later, he is back in the NFL as a head coach. And, yes, I think a lot of Philadelphia fans will be pulling in part for the Jaguars next year, except for that one week when the Jaguars are coming to Philadelphia to actually take on the Eagles. All right, that is just one of many topics we will hit on today. We've got two good guests that are scheduled to join us it's a football Friday yeah it's only the pro bowl on Sunday but and senior bowl with guys that are going to eventually play in the league you can watch on Saturday so you actually got football both days um but it is not a true NFL weekend of action but we'll make the most of it just the same and try and stick to our routine Ed game day cracks is gonna hop aboard he's certainly got uh some insight to Doug Peterson getting the job down in Jacksonville, and his time here in Philadelphia. So we'll get Eddie Kratz up early in our second hour. Randy Mueller, ex-executive of the year in the National Football League, former general manager um, Dolphins and Saints. He's going to hop aboard with us. Uh, certainly, with the NFL's going through this week with the Brian Flores lawsuit, we want to talk to him about the uh, Super Bowl as well. So. Uh, we've got several good topics we can touch on with Randy Mueller, who will join us uh, in hour number two. But it's the Mac guys. John McMullen, Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't.
0: And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
4: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good. It just disappears.
5: You know, you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7. it's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got independence blue cross you're right where you need to be call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an independence blue cross plan.
6: of life first trust bank is there for you
1: 10, One, two, three. because
6: philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
1: you get your megan mac, mac guys john McMahon and Johnny mcdonald here we are on birds 365 and even though there isn't a true meaningful game to be played this weekend. Sorry, Pro Bowl fans. It's not meaningful. It, you didn't like tonight. the Pro
2: Bowl Skills Challenge, Jody? They,
1: they have that yesterday? Yeah. I haven't yeah. even seen the highlights, let alone I didn't watch it live. There's some good highlights. You should check it out.
2: There's some uh, interesting. Micah Parsons won the fastest man's
1: yeah, race. This yeah. but I, and I read something about it. I didn't see it. But he said that Tyreek Hill didn't even try. No, he didn't try. But I always think it's, oh, oh, it's oh, funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me get to those highlights as quickly as possible. Guys, not trying. Yeah. That's my. Well, you idea can tell he wasn't it. trying. Exciting I always think
2: it's it's funny. And we'll bring an ad. I'm sorry. That's probably not excited by this. But Tyreek Hill has always wanted to have a race with Usain Bolt. And I'm like, Tyreek, you're insane. You're not even going to be in the same. Stratosphere, but these guys have such big egos, they think they can run faster than Usain Bolt. He can't even beat Micah Parsons. He better stop talking about that.
1: Here he is, Ed Kratz, who's got to listen to me and Mick Mullen argue what else is there. Uh, Ed, <laughs> uh, what do you have planned for this weekend? You're gonna re watch the highlights from the, uh, st- the Pro Bowl skills challenge. <laughs>
7: Yeah, I, I think that's a hard pass uh, on that. You know, I, I'm sure there are some good highlights, but uh, I'm I'm not even sure I'll watch the game. I might have it on in, in the background, but yeah.
1: uh, I
2: would I would recommend staying away. But yeah. hey, if you like it, you, you like it,
7: enjoy it. Hey, yeah, the Eagles got five players in it, so if you're and if you're missing football, I mean, we're down to what two games here until the USFL gets cranked up here in a, yeah. in a couple
2: months. Philadelphia uh, Stars, baby. Yeah, playing in Birmingham playing in Alabama. Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. That's your town. That's your that's one of your towns. Well, no, it's my son, son my yeah. son's old
7: town. Yeah, he lived yeah. down there for a couple of years, but I won't be going to any home games for the stars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Will you I be going to yeah. the home game of Doug Peterson? Uh it's actually gonna be here. Uh the Jaguars are gonna visit the build-up use. We don't know when, we don't know the dates. But I said, Ed, Nick Sirianni better start thinking about winning that game pretty quickly. (laughs) Uh, It's going to be interesting. What do you think about the Jaguars landing on Doug Peterson? Yeah, it's interesting that it happens on the four-year anniversary of the day
7: he won a Super Bowl, right? I mean, I guess the news kind of broke on February 3rd, you know, Thursday, yesterday. But, you know, today I imagine Doug will have his first press conference as the Jaguars coach four years after he won a Super Bowl, which is, you know, certain symmetry to life. I like when life has that symmetry to it. And that seems to be the case here with Doug. And I think last week, weren't we just talking about Doug Peterson and why he wasn't getting
2: any interest? Yeah, (laughs) he was, uh, there was a big lull. It kind of picked up again last week uh, when the news broke that Jacksonville was bringing him in again, but there was a big lull. He was their first interview like a month ago and probably over a month ago. And then, he got an interview in Chicago, and we knew they weren't going in his direction because they just fired Matt Nagy, who's the Andy Reid guy, who's a Doug Peterson guy. Uh, so they wanted to go in a different direction. And then it just went silent. And all of a sudden, Jacksonville couldn't get the guy they wanted, which was Byron Leftwich. and you got to circle back. You talk about symmetry, Ed. Go back to 2016, and the Eagles – they didn't want Doug Peterson. They wanted Adam Gase, and then they wanted Ben McAdoo, and then they landed on Doug Peterson and worked out. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Same thing might happen to Jacksonville. They wanted Byron Leftwich. So they land on Doug Peterson. I don't know. Super Bowl, four years, as you mentioned. Why are we talking about Doug Peterson in Jacksonville four years after the only Super Bowl title in Eagles franchise history? It still amazes me. It really
7: does that they won that game. I mean, and you're going to find on Twitter and all the social media accounts today, all these highlights of the Eagles and, you know, winning that Super Bowl, of course, the Philly special. And, you know, listen, I'll, I'll watch those before I'll watch the Pro Bowl. Yeah, Pro <laughs> Bowl,
1: act you're exactly right, Ed.
7: <laughs> but listen, I, I think it's a great hire for Jacksonville, to be honest. I mean, Leftwich would have been good, yeah. But, you know, Doug has the history of working with Carson Wentz. Now, you could say he – helped ruin Carson Wentz. I don't know if that would be the case, but he did have Wentz uh, playing at a very high level in 2017. And he's got Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars have 12 draft picks. You know, I think five of those are in the first 103. So uh, he's an experienced guy who knows how to run an offense. And, you know, he could be just what they need, that emotional intelligence down there in North Florida.
1: Let me uh, run something by both you guys. I want your reaction to this. Our buddy Shield Capadia, um, who of course covers the Eagles, covers the National Football League now for Athletic, was here in town for many years. Uh, just tweeted this about Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson's strengths: capable of high level game planning and play calling, connecting with players and his staff, adjusting scheme to players, won't meddle with personnel or defense two questions. Can he build a good enough staff? Can he be innovative on offense? There's only one that kind of feels like it's questionable to me. I think, as I said, the last two were questions that he was saying he didn't have the answer to. One he says he's pretty sure about. I'm not as sure. Adjusting scheme to players. Did Doug Peterson show that in his years here in Philadelphia? Because he was able to win the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz being the quarterback for the first three quarters of the season and then Nick Foles taking over. Is that an attribute you would give to Doug Peterson that basically he can take players and plug them in or take their strengths and redo his uh, game plan calling? Is is that a fair uh, praise level uh, achievement that Doug Peterson has earned?
7: Uh, it's, it's curious, I'll put it that way. And I, I don't want to speak for shield, but I, you know, maybe he, he, he checks that box for shield because of, uh, what Peterson and, and Frank Reich, even maybe to a larger extent, w- were able to do once they lost Carson Wentz with the uh, knee injury out in Los Angeles when Nick Foles had to step in, you know, that they went back and watched every, uh, snippet of tape on Nick Foles's previous games. And then they kind of adjusted their offense uh, to what Nick Foles does and that really helped you know they became more of an RPO heavy uh, offense and that's kind of what led them to the Super Bowl so maybe that's why he checks that box of being able to adjust scheme to players but yeah I, other than that I, I would have a hard time really thinking that you know he did that, uh, right. you know, but he didn't have to do it often because Wentz was his quarterback for four years and uh, except for that little hiccup, <laughs> when Nick Foles had to step in and lead him to a Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, th- to me, he he, uh, you know, they, he was hesitant to play young players, I think. I mean, they did play some young players late in his tenure here, but it seemed like they, he really leaned on his veteran-type players. And now he's going to have a much younger team down there in Jacksonville. I mean, who, who are the leaders on that Jaguars team? Uh, you know, I can't think of anybody, but, you know, he had some pretty good leaders on this team when he came on board. And, you know, he had his leadership council that he was able to bounce ideas off of. Uh, But as far as adjusting scheme, I can't – maybe, John, you can. I can't think of any other time really where you could point to an example of that other than, like I said, getting Nick Foles ready when Wentz got hurt.
2: Yeah, well, I think that's the biggest part, I think. And we're going to try to have Shield on the show early next week, Jody. He mentioned he could Mm -hmm. probably do it, so we'll ask him. My guess is he's talking about the Super Bowl years, Doug said, uh, where they changed the entire offense. I think people forget – that the Eagles played Nick Bowles at the end of the regular season. He was pretty bad. I mean, he was pretty bad in the regular season. And it was Doug who said, All right, we're we we gotta. And it was really more Sean Di than anybody else. John was the one who broke down like every single Nick Bowles play, tried to figure out what he liked to do, but tried to figure out what he could do well. Uh, and as Ed mentioned, they went more to the RPOs, the quick throws, the quick reads. Uh, and Nick just got really, really hot, uh, at the right time. I always called him Benny Johnson, the old microwave in the NBA. When he got hot, you couldn't stop him. And, uh, Nick Foles got hot and nobody could stop him over that two week span. And, you know, whoever you want to give the credit for, Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, uh, John DiPolippo, they were all involved. Um, it's interesting though where people land. I'm, it, I I say the same thing with Howie, when people say, "Well, the good picks are Joe Douglas or Andy Waddell. The bad picks are Howie Rosen. <laughs> Howie's in charge, <laughs> so if you're <laughs> going to give him the credit for the bad picks, you got to give him credit for the good picks." Exactly. Same thing with Doug Peterson, he's in charge. It's his offense, and I will say Frank Reich. I think you were there, Ed, when Frank uh, I know Les was there after the Super Bowl graciously gave us about 15 minutes just by ourselves and he was just gushing obviously and he was gushing about doug peterson and i remember and i'll never forget because frank doesn't curse anybody knows frank um and he called he came as close as he did to ever cursing he called doug a freaking star uh as a coach so for all those people that want to say "was Frank Reich," "was Frank Reich," "was Frank Reich," Frank will be the first to tell you, Doug Peterson is a freaking star as a coach, as he would describe it. So, that well, was yeah. my take. That was a
7: that was a whirlwind post game. I, I believe I was there, and I think it was a, a freaking rock star. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, he, he added the word rock star in there. You know, you know, I don't know if Doug's playing air guitar like Donald. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, I think it was a rock star. But yeah, Frank really praised Doug up and down. Uh, listen, I'm, I, Doug, Doug to me is is a quality person, and I, I'm glad he's got this chance to, you know, head up another team. And you know, maybe he has some say, a little bit more say in in how he puts together his staff. That's going to be interesting to see how he builds that out. Um, you know, Trent Baalke is, you know, a lot of people didn't want to, play, you know, coach under his thumb, but it looks like maybe they're going to bring Rick Spielman in uh, yeah. to be kind of the head of the operations. And, you know, uh, let's see what kind of say Doug has, because, I, you know, I think personally, I think he'll build a fine staff. Um, he, he knows enough guys in this league now. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He's got some clout to him now. Um, it's going to be fun to watch what happens down there. It's almost going to be like Eagles South. You know, we're going to be keeping a, an eye uh, down there, you know, what goes on in yeah, Jackson.
2: I, I was saying, Ed, how about if you think about the AFC South, Frank Reich is there. Who knows? Yeah. Carson might be there. So you're going to get Frank Reich and perhaps Carson Wentz against Doug Peterson twice a year. What if Jonathan Gannon ends up in Houston? What, 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 the AFC South is going to be exciting for Philadelphia fans.
7: Yeah, they're going to have to start televising that locally. Those games, aren't they? Uh, you know, so we can kind of watch those matchups. No, the never going to
1: happen. Pittsburgh always wins here in this yeah. town. The well, AFC true. game is always the Steelers. They've done yeah. research on it for years. It annoys me because I'm hoping that it's the Jets from time to time, and it never is. Sorry. Even with Dougie P or Carson, they didn't bring the Colts in at all this year as the AFC game. Yeah, Jacksonville not doesn't have with any. Doug either.
2: Jack, Doug better get used to London, too. He better like those trips. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cool.
7: but it's going to be cool because the Eagles play the AFC South, right? They go to yeah. I think they go to the Colts, so they'll see Reich and maybe Wentz, and they host the Jags, and they go to Houston if Gannon's
2: there. I mean, what's going on down there in Houston? Can't uh, they pick yes. a coach they got to make a decision. Yeah, and sure. Now they're mixed up in the Brian Flores stuff, so I guess we'll go there with you Ed, since we have to ask you. I mean, that is such a mess. And they've named their sort of not named officially, but you know people like uh, John McLean, friend of the show here, is plugged in as anybody in Houston. Uh, it's down to Jonathan Gannon, Josh McCown, so very Eagles tint, and Brian Flores. I I don't know if they're going to hire Brian Flores, so that would mean Jonathan Gannon or Josh McCown. What what what? Yeah, what? I'll ask you. What the heck? What the heck is going on in Houston?
7: That's a good question. Uh, You know, I wish I knew because, you know, listen, the Eagles, I mean, it's still very early in the offseason here, but with this whole Gannon thing up in the air, I don't think Gannon's at the senior bowl this week. I think it's got an interview. Yeah. Yeah. So Stouten's there, but you know, this is a team obviously that needs help on defense and your defensive coordinator is busy interviewing or waiting to hear from Houston and he's not on hand in, in Mobile. Again, it's early. I'm not sure how big of a factor it is, but you know that has to be a little bit concerning. That you know he's not kind of all hands on deck. He's not all in, I should say. Uh, be where your feet are. Yeah, be where <laughs> your and right now it feels like his feet. He really wants this Houston job. So Houston has to make a decision. And it would be surprising, you know, if they went with Brian Flores. But what you know, I, I wish they would. I mean, you know, Flores is a qualified guy and you know, he's got the, he had the courage to come out and, you know, speak his convictions. And I, and I give him a, a ton of credit for that. And now it's almost like when you see these hirings, you're almost in the back of your head going, well, geez, another white guy gets a job uh, over, you know, some qualified, yeah. maybe some other qualified, you know, can, uh, candidates. And, you know, it, I I hope he gets it. I, I would love to see, you know, like an Eric Biennemi get, get an, you know, a job and you know, so, you know, Todd Bowles was mentioned and Byron Leftwich. I mean, there, there's some qualified guys out there that just aren't getting jobs. And, you know, that now is in my head. It's like, well, how come? Why aren't they? And I give Brian Flores a, a lot of credit for kind of bringing that awareness out a little bit more uh, than maybe, you know, all of us have really given thought to in the past.
1: And the Houston job, kind of like the Jacksonville job is not the best job to get. And sorry, any Texan fans who may be watching. I see I annoyed some Steeler fans because I said I think it's wrong, (laughs) that they always show the Steelers game as the other game in town. So now I'll take off the Texan fans. That organization isn't in good shape. They don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback. They've had a couple of bad years in a row. They had a messy firing of their coach who they brought in for one year and never even gave a chance and then turned around and fired him. I don't know if I'd want that job. I'd rather have the Jacksonville job than the Texans job as of right now. So what happens if Brian Flores gets that job? Does he then afterwards say, well, they mishandled me again? Well, they mishandle everybody. It's not just you, Brian. It's not because you're African-American. It's because they're just a bad football organization.
2: Yeah. yeah. How do you – in fact, I'll throw this in, and and then you can – how do you – If you're an owner in this league, look, I I agree with a lot of your sentiments and what you said about Brian Flores, but if you were to hire him now, how do you fire him? If you think he's not doing a good job and I'm I'm talking two, three years down the line, you're going to get, you're going to get killed. Doesn't that affect your thought process? This is such a difficult layered problem. It really is.
7: Yeah, but listen, you know, wins and losses are what you're going to base your decision on. It's a results oriented business and if two or three down the lo- years down the line brian flores is sitting at i don't know 13 and 26 or you know whatever then okay then there's a justification but you know when you look at the dolphins i mean he was i think he had two winning seasons down there in miami which in a row which
2: isn't easy to do uh and so really there was no great well I've, I've, i'll th- let me throw this curveball at you then we're talking about a Super Bowl winning coach here, fired three years off, winning Super Bowl. I mean, there there are there have been coaches uh, who have gotten fired for reasons that have nothing to do with what they did on the field. Probably David Cully being a perfect example this year. Um, And to a certain degree, Brian Flores from a, as you said, a winning perspective, but he just didn't get along with the owner. Um, Same thing here with Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lurie, where Jeffrey Lurie saying, I don't like your coaching staff, so you're out. I don't care if I got this Lombardi trophy. So I don't know how you can legislate that, you know, that that to me is the most difficult problem. Yeah, I guess if Flores and whoever the GM is in in Houston
7: or the owner, they're not getting along, and Flores is twenty six and thirteen, and you fire him, then you know, th- then you might have issues. Uh, but listen, I mean that's down the road. I, I I always try to be where my feet are. right? <laughs> I mean, what what can Flores do today, tomorrow? You know, each day he's being evaluated, uh, and, and maybe notes are kept if if it comes down to a divorce at some point in the future. So there isn't a big, you know stink that would arise from any kind of firing but i you know certainly he's qualified in my book and to answer jody's question is what what does he bring to houston or i, I think he, deshaun watson probably stays and may, you know not having watson last year was you know that was a big handicap for the the houston texans not having a real quarterback davis mills was okay uh you know tyrod taylor i think started the year got hurt but
1: all right but hold on let me hop in you know, there ed Sure. He stays for Flores, but he wouldn't play for David Cully.
2: Well, yeah, I, I don't know the dynamics of all that, Jody. But I Well, I think Jack Easterby is the problem. And as long as he Jack
7: stays. Jack
1: Easterby's not going anywhere. Yeah, no, so. but I
7: thought he liked Flores. I thought, you know, that was one reason he wanted to go to Miami, Watson. One of his preferences to be traded was to Miami. I thought it was because of Flores. So I think, you know my understanding is they have a good relationship. So maybe, you know, Flores is able to come in and kind of smooth that relationship over uh, and and Watson gets back on the field. Of course, he's got all those other issues that, you know, here we are a year later that really haven't been resolved yet, which is strange. But, you know, maybe, maybe Watson stays. I, I don't know, because of Brian Flores.
1: One more uh, Flores question, and this came to light within the last 24 hours. And I'm sorry, I either don't understand it or don't believe it. Uh, He got the text message from Bill Belichick. Congrats on getting the job. It was before the job was ever actually given to anybody. And then he didn't get it. Belichick explained it away as I just made a mistake. I meant Brian Dable, not Brian Flores. And I just sent the text to the wrong person. Okay, I'll believe all that. Now Flores is actually claiming that he believes Belichick helped Dable get the job. Both Bryans worked under Belichick in New England, and it's Flores' belief that Belichick wanted Dable to get the job, and he actually lobbied for him and has influence with the New York Giants. I know that the NFL is a little tight little circle for as big a corporation as it is, and as much money as they generate, there is a nice little core of tight individuals. But Belichick is two friggin' decades removed from being with the Giants. Does Flores really make us believe that Belichick is in marriage a year to tell him who he should or shouldn't hire as the head coach of the year? You buy any of that?
7: Uh, well, I mean, it's almost like he, he said he said type of situation. Unless there's documentation, I mean, I guess they're Brian Flores' beliefs. You don't know, you know, what what emotional state he was in when he made those remarks. If he's still very fired up about this, which I can't blame him if he is, and if that's what he believes, you know, it's hard to refute that. But you know, unless there's documentation with some of this stuff, like you know the uh, the whole uh, being paid the tank thing down there in Miami. That, yeah. that
1: i kind of do believe
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then and then of course hugh jackson jumps on that and says you know i was paid fifty thousand dollars to lose each game but uh you know there's got to be some documentation but i think this is just brian flores belief that yeah belichick helped him get that job and there's probably no documentation to it but i'm not going to refute how brian flores feels emotionally about this you know maybe he has good reason to believe that i i don't know so you know i'm not just going to dismiss it out of hand and thinks think it's just, you know, kind of the rantings of some bitter man. I I think maybe he actually I'm sure he actually believes that. And uh, if so, you know, that that's how he feels. And I don't know any differently if it's right or wrong.
2: Yeah, I uh, that the, one of the problems and we had Dan lost on earlier in the week, you know, one of the best sports lawyers in the industry. And he kind of mentioned, um, you know, some of the chargers came across as, Throwing things against the wall, uh, as opposed to being more focused. The problem with the 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 accusations that that, as you mentioned, it, Look, Denver. We'll use Denver in this example. The accusations against John Elway. Well, there's five other people in that room, so you know it's going to be pretty concrete as to what went on from from those other witnesses uh so to speak and the same thing with the new york giants the giants put out an emphatic statement they are very competent uh that bill belichick had no knowledge uh but we all know you just mentioned the senior bowl there's people people talk in this league people uh get behind the scenes and we're gonna have randy Mueller on in the second hour a lot of these guys know who they're gonna hire the minute they fire uh a coach and that's the way it it, it is, and I don't know how you fix it, uh, but this is a big mess uh, for the NFL. We'll just leave it at that because I want to get back to the Eagles with you, and I want to get back to the senior bowl because with the Howie Rosemans was there, um, and Jeff Stoutland, as you mentioned, and obviously all the scouts are there. Um, the owner's son was there, <laughs> poked up. On the sidelines, uh, are, have we started the succession plan? Jeffrey Laurie's 70 years old um, and obviously wants to keep the Philadelphia Eagles in the family. Uh, is Julian Laurie going to be a, a name Eagles fans got to get used to quickly?
7: Sure sounds like it. And if you're asking me if I have a problem with it, I certainly don't. You know, uh, he went to Harvard, presumably a pretty bright guy. He's been around the, you know, the team around the business, the front office side of things. And, you know, I have a son who's 25 years old and he went to NYU and he's a very smart kid. And if I owned a football team, you're darn right, I would have him riding shotgun with me through the whole process and, you know, be grooming him to take over. And, and I know what he's doing in his life at the age of 25, which is, is, is pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, I have no problem with Julian Lurie stepping in. I know he's I think he's a very heavy analytical uh type of guy who really follows the analytics but you know the eagles are doing a lot of that anyway uh that's kind of what, how he was raised within that front office is with the analytics so i think it's a fine succession plan um it certainly beats selling it to somebody else and having him threaten to maybe move it out of town you know the eagles out of town that would that would really
2: suck but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you have to worry about that back no. in the
1: day you had to worry yes. about it but not, not now yeah yeah but back I- in the I don't think Jeff Lloyd's going to be selling to Norman Bremen so, or Leonard Toes. So I don't think you have to worry about either of those two. do yeah. I don't want to take you another direction, but Senior Bowl related as John went. Um, a couple of your compatriots, Eagle Beat guys who were down there in Mobile, said that the Eagles were paying some pretty good attention to the quarterbacks who were in Mobile, Alabama this week. And it was just a matter of weeks ago that Howie Roseman said emphatically Doug Peterson emphatically that Jalen Hurts is the Eagles quarterback as my partner likes to point out they weren't under oath at the time so they could change their mind most people thought changing their mind meant either acquiring a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson are the Eagles going to throw us all a curveball and draft a quarterback with one of those three first round picks Ed Kratz?
7: It depends on how much they fall in love with one. I mean, they're doing their due diligence. I mean, you know, it was reported by uh, Chrissy Freud who works for SI that, you know, the Eagles did meet with Carson strong out of Nevada. So I think it's just due diligence. I don't think they're going to spend one on the first round unless, you know, maybe Kenny Pickett's sitting there at 15 or 16 and they, and they love Kenny Pickett or Matt Coral or whoever. I don't think so though. I, I think, uh, if anything, Howie would probably trade one of those picks and try to get a pick in 2023 and just make two first-round picks. But I don't think they're going to go quarterback. I think there are so few quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round that if the Eagles want one uh, of these seven, these top seven guys, the six who are at the Senior Bowl and Matt Carl who isn't, I think you could see the Eagles possibly taking one on day two in the second round. Um because, listen, I, I wrote about the history of the Eagles drafting quarterbacks. And since 2010, they've drafted six quarterbacks. So that's, a, you know, an 11-year, 12-year span. That's one quarterback on average every two years. The last quarterback they took was Jalen Hurts in 2020. So I believe they're going they're to take do. a quarterback. Huh?
1: They're due. They're, they're due. due. They're going to take they're a dead. quarterback for yeah. your numbers.
7: That's my contention is they're due and they are going to take one. I just don't think it's going to be in the first round unless there's somebody they really love during this whole process. That's still there at 15, but if not, I think they'll take one on day two.
2: Well, it's interesting because they do have, as you mentioned, they start the process with the three first round picks numbers 15, 16, 19, as we stand here today, Ed. And does that create a sense of urgency, not only from the draft perspective, but them as assets in the fact that you can go and get a quarterback, whether it's a veteran trade, whatever you want to do. But the point I'm trying to get to is you don't often have three first round picks. Um, you don't often have this capital to make a move to, 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 um, do anything you want to do in essence. Now you might have to overpay a little bit to get a Russell Wilson or somebody of that nature. But in theory, if you can convince him to come here, you can get it done because you have the capital. Does that increase the sense of urgency at all? And I've heard, and I I'm in this camp as well. I don't think they're taking three first round picks. I think they're going to try to trade one, but that doesn't mean you can trade one, you know? I think people are just assuming, well, they'll kick one back and they'll get an extra one in 2023. That's not as easy as people might think. So does having the three first round picks right now, create a sense of urgency for Howie Roseman? Uh,
7: you Listen, I, I think they're going to build the team uh, around Jalen hurts. I, I honestly do. I mean, and we all know why the Eagles have three first round picks, right, John? Because uh Anthony Patch and why uh, Andy Weidel did a great job getting him. It wasn't because of anything Howie Roseman did, right? Uh, you know, Howie Roseman gets no credit for getting three first-round picks. It's very rare you're right, and you have to give Roseman credit for that. But I I don't think it's a sense of urgency to find a quarterback. I mean, I think they are genuinely happy with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, it's, it, you know this whole Russell Wilson speculation to Sean Watson, I mean, it makes for good, you know, print media to write stories about you know, sports talk radio doing conversations with, but I I just don't see it. I mean, Nick Sirianni was emphatic when he said, there are no secrets here. Jalen Hurts is our guy. How do you walk that statement back in the offseason in that locker room with that team who was fully behind Jalen Hurts? And Devontae Smith, it was interesting, said on Sirius Radio the other day that Jalen Hurts called him. After the Cincinnati Bengals won the AFC Championship and said, "Did you see that?" He goes, we, "That can be us. We can do that." I mean, there are people in that locker room that love Jalen Hurts. There is. is, but you I pro- can
2: can I tell you how I would walk it back, Ed? I, yeah. I'll tell you right now how I would walk it back. I wouldn't say anything. I would say, "Guys, this is Russell Wilson." Right? Can he show <laughs> <Welcome> you? His- <laughs> ball- can he show you that's, his Super Bowl yeah, ring? That's that's how I would walk it back. And trust me, they would they would. You know, it's sort of like the same thing. I was worried about Nick Sirianni and how he would be accepted in that locker room because so many people in that locker room love Doug Peterson. But those guys know it's a business. I mean, they go through it every year. And ultimately, look, there were some questions. I mean, I don't think it's pretty evident Fletcher wasn't happy early in the season. But Nick Sirianni slowly uh, won everybody over and they gave him a chance doesn't mean they don't like Doug Peterson because they like Doug Peterson, but I, 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 don't think it's, it's mutually exclusive. I think they love Jalen hurts and they'd love to have Russell Wilson. I don't, I, I, I think those Maybe. two things aren't mutually exclusive.
7: I don't know. I think it's a young locker room. I think they're all in on Jalen hurts. I think you bring a 33 or 34 year old guy in here who was on the back half or back, you know, whatever back quarter of his career I'm not sure that's an easy sell. And you mentioned that it took, you know, Sirianni some time to win over that locker room with the veterans. I think if you get rid of Hertz, it's going to take time to win over that locker room, whether it's Watson or Wilson, because I just think they're so all in on Hertz, And they really believe that they're building something as a young core that's going to lead to success over these next couple of years. And I think if you drop that, that bomb, if you will, into the middle of that locker room, that's going to be tough to overcome in my opinion.
1: All right, last thing for me, I need help from one of you two guys. So I'll ask you, Ed, and if you don't know, I'll turn to John. Boston Scott is a two-sport star? <laughs> I know yeah, he's a good touchdown life. scorer against the New York Giants, but what the hell else can he do well enough that he's now considered a professional athlete? Yeah, uh, sorry, it goes <laughs> right over my head. I don't yeah, get the whole gaming yeah. thing. Um, can you guys um, explain this to me?
2: Yeah. Uh, um, Ahead, um, let's see if ed does, does well i'm, I'm
7: kind of hoping john writes something about it because i certainly don't understand it. well he's really good
2: guy. i i was told he's really good at a race car game where the race cars play soccer he's really elite at it um so he's a two-sport athlete that's that's what i was told <laughs> hey ga- i i know gaming's huge though
7: right i mean don't, yeah, don't it is. Yeah, yeah and i but i don't really pay attention i don't play video games yeah no, i don't um but you know listen boston scott's what 25 years old i mean sure he's right in that wheelhouse of that generation the big video game so that's pretty cool actually that he's uh
2: yeah but i know he's really sport. really good at it like it's not like like he's top n- not even one percent like top top percent or something like that so he's really good at it to a almost frightening degree evidently that's all i have
1: more power to him but it is something that i just don't comprehend but that's okay and and, hey if he's got another gig that he can spend some quality time with during the off season put a couple extra bucks in his pocket more power to him maybe you pay play for less for the eagles (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 nobody takes less money because of their other kids. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady always got his millions, despite the fact they had a wife who was making it uh, two or threefold more than he was. Yeah. All right, uh, Ed, we need you to get on the record. Who's winning the Pro Bowl? <laughs> I was kidding. <good>. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't even know who play. I don't think it's AFC versus NFC. I don't even know. who. Uh, I, is it? Or did
7: Is they it do gamers that silly... against
1: non-gamers? If that's yeah. a, I want Boston Scott on my team.
7: Yeah, right. I actually, you know what? I want Boston Scott working out eight hours a day. I don't want him wasting any time on video games. That's I true. want yeah. him in that weight that's room. That's going to
1: come
2: back to haunt him. In this, yeah, thing, yeah, With I want him mumbles, in the playbook, man. They're going to say his his hands are too weak from playing the video yeah. games, or right, right, tunnel like like syndrome throwing. that develops.
7: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I listen. Yeah, I don't know if it's NFC or AFC, but. I am an wow. NFC guy, I know J- Jody's an AFC guy. I'm I'm going NFC Jody. Yeah. I'll bet a dollar the NFC right. wins. Or the NFC. Uh, I, I, I
1: think the NFC is favored by uh, 27 and a half. So yeah, <laughs> I'll take the AFC plus the 27. I don't know. All <laughs> right, I'll
2: just say this. I'll end it with this. Uh, Ed Kratz, SI.com. you see it there. Eagle Maven Paul on Twitter at Kratz e um SI.com backslash NFL backslash eagles. You can read me there as well. Devontae Smith, the biggest controversy of the week. 166 pound kid saying he doesn't like cheesesteaks. Do we have to trade him now?
7: <laughs> That's your question. No, no, you, you don't, to... <laughs> don't trade Devontae. He got a lot with... of heat.
2: He got a it... lot of heat for that.
7: Ah, uh, well, you know, listen. Yeah, they're very are, provincial people... about their cheesesteaks and soft <laughs> I'm fine with it, man. Whatever whatever your diet is, as long as you're successful, yeah. I don't...
2: I, I, that's a, immediately what I said. Now, if you ask me the question, it's valid. If you ask you the question, it's valid. He's
1: 166 pounds. He's not eating a lot of cheesesteaks. Yeah. Use your common sense. I could, he could put on a couple pounds. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, so... I'm not running him out of town, but I would suggest he rethink his cheese steak stance. (laughs) Any good stuff, buddy. We'll have you on next week prior to the game that actually matters. I know I'm underselling the Pro Bowl. We don't even know if it's the AFC against the NFC. John is singing the praises of the the challenges. I'm I'm telling you,
2: go to uh, NFLs.com, their Twitter account, watch some of the highlights, some good stuff, some good one-handed catches. Uh, the race was fun with Micah Parsons. Uh, but, yeah, I
1: didn't watch it. I yeah, yeah, I wasn't going that far. But I
2: watched a few clips. I'd recommend
1: it. I had more important things to do, like watching Odd couple reruns. than yesterday. They were playing
2: dodgeball. Darius Slay had a great moment playing dodgeball. Uh, you should check that out. Where, oh, but you're, worried, you
1: see- you, you're, you're worried about Boston Scott playing video games, but you're cool with – Darius Slate playing dodgeball? Yeah. No, put that ball down, Darius. We need you to cover next what year. What did they say in the
2: movie? Duck, dip, dodge, and I think duck again or something. It yeah, was a great no, movie. No, no, I'm still
7: thinking of the Odd Couple uh, reruns. I, <laughs> I don't know where you're watching, but I love that show. I would love to check that out this week. The weekend. Decade uh, Channel,
1: it should be on your cable if you're Comcast, okay. every day at 5 o'clock. Two episodes, oh, wow. 5 and yeah. 5.30 Excellent. for uh, the Odd Couple. I'm an Oscar David. Madison
2: fan, Jody oh. McDonald.
1: Hey, he's my idol. I I I've tried to be Oscar Madison for the last thirty years, yeah. and unfortunately failed. Eddie no. uh, Kratz never a failure. When we've got you on, thank you much for doing so. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Yes, uh, the big game, the huge game, the Pro yeah. Bowl. Who cares about the Pro Bowl. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. We'll come back and a couple things around. Randy Mueller, former general manager both the Saints and the Dolphins executive of the year in the year 2000 gonna hop aboard with us in hour number two on Birds 365
3: Go for the midnight dares Go for the memories Go for the view that goes on forever Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink Go to bed whenever you want or don't
4: Holy
0: and you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
4: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good, it just disappears.
8: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
5: you know you like being right that's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan it's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price including free doctor visits 24 7 it's a choice you can feel good about because when you're right you're right and when you've got independence blue cross you're right where you need to be Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
6: of life first trust bank is there for you
1: Seven, four, three, one, two, three, because
6: philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank
1: our number two coming your way out of football friday right here on bird 365 you got the mac and mac guides uh, we are a more than a week out nine days away from uh, Super Bowl 56 uh, but we're only a couple days ahead of the all-important pro Bowl and John I looked during the break uh, not all wagering outlets have put up a uh, betting line on the pro Bowl yet some have some haven't they actually wait on this because they know it's not going to be big money that they're handling but the diehards will find a way to get in before the game actually starts and they're still making adjustments to the rosters guys deciding whether they're going to play yeah, or I not love, play. i love that that matters the adjustments to the roster that, they have to have some reason for not putting a yeah. line out on it yet but one place that i have found uh th- that has put a line out on it has it as a pick em. All right, way to go out there on a yeah, limb. Pick em. Well, They're let me ask them. you this. I I didn't I can't even
2: get to the pick'em. Is it NFC versus AFC? Am I yeah. conflating that with the NBA? They changed, you know, correct team. They whatever.
1: Uh, they'll they'll well they do uh, a draft in the NFL, yeah. in the uh uh NBA in the NBA. Uh so it's team LeBron against I think it's team Durant again this year, even though Durant's not going to play in the game. He's going to choose upside LeBron. Um, but I think it's the AFC against the NFC. And it's a pick And And uh, the over-under, Johnny, maybe you jump in on the over-under. 61 and a half which is high, but they don't play a lot of defense. No, I'm going to go over. All
2: right. I, I'll say that. I'm going to go over for the reason that uh, it's, it's in Las Vegas. So it's in Allegiant stadium and that's indoors. So you're not going to worry about anything of that nature. So I'm going to go over, I'm going to go over, but I will say this because I knew I remembered Jody. So I just looked it up real quick at one point. Cause for some reason, it's stuck into my mind. Michael Urban had a team one year at the Pro Right, Bowl.
1: they drafted.
2: Yeah, and it was Team Urban beat Team Rice one year. Team Rice, Team Jerry Rice against Team Michael Urban. Which, by the way, and the NBA, as I mentioned, does that. Um, I don't know. That makes it even worse. Like to me, it makes it even worse. I, at least if I know it's AFC versus NFC, if it's Eastern conference versus, at least I get it. I know who's where I, it, it it makes it even worse. Do you enjoy that? that, I know you don't
1: enjoy any film format like me, but doesn't, doesn't that make it worse? The reason why I thought it was ridiculous with the football was at least in basketball, it's only 24 guys. And you can get it over and done with in the better part of an hour. Just boom, 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 back and forth, draft pick. You got to fill out a whole roster? You tell me Michael Irvin's doing the research on getting together the perfect roster? Stop it. You know that it's just window dressing. So, yeah, it annoyed the snot out of me when football did it. Um, Basketball's not near as bad, and they do a nice job. Uh, Turner always does it with the uh, actual uh, draft night going back and forth between the two guys. It actually can be entertaining. Then, to me, it has no effect on a game. It's just a bunch of guys playing schoolyard basketball, uh, running up and down, and and there's no continuity. Or there's no uh, really uh, I'm a traditionalist. Team
2: I want to see Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. I want to see NFC versus AFC. But then again, I don't want to see any of it. So,
1: uh, I, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. But they have a hell of a skills competition, according to John McMullen. Yeah, I thought, was I, I thought it was – well, here's how
2: I'll describe it. I think it's better than the game. How about that? I, I don't think it's great. I think it's better than the game to see guys out there having some fun, at
1: least, and uh,
2: playing some dodgeball. Doesn't
1: uh, – neither one moves me much. That's, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, Want to double down on something I, I brought up with Ed and want to get your take on it. Um, again, trusting the guys that you know uh, as well as you do, spending in the time in the, the, the Eagles press box with them or on the road press box with them on a week in, week out basis. A couple of guys did go down to uh, uh, Mobile uh, to keep an eye on the power brokers that be for the Philadelphia Eagles and what they're checking in and checking out on uh, as far as the Senior Bowl. Players in practice go and more than one noted that the eagles were spending some serious time both uh, watching and interviewing the quarterbacks that are down there this week um i'm with you jay mac when and and ed is uh less with both of us if they get a deal that they think they can make for russell wilson i think they're going to do it and i think the fact that they paid homage to Jalen Hurts will be quickly moved over. Deshaun Watson is, for me, less of a possibility, but a possibility just the same, um, that if given a chance, they'll attempt to uh, come up with a deal to get uh, Deshaun Watson here. Those are the only two. I don't think they've got a prayer at Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they'd move off Jalen Hurts to go get, say, a Derek Carr, who is a quarterback who may or may not shake out in Oakland this year since they're turning things around there with a new general manager and a new coach. Um, I think it's two guys. I think it's Russell Wilson and Deshaun the, the, the Watson. Other than that, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be back as the quarterback, but I believe that they would move away from it despite the fact that they said, no, Jalen's our guy. Or are they? Are they really? Because they are infamous. Some things about this Eagle organization are infamous over the years. They are the quarterback factory. They're on the record of saying it. And I know uh, pain in the rear end, maybe guys like me always bring it up just to remind everybody was said, I don't think anybody's forgotten. And I do think there's something to that, that they pride themselves on their ability to uh, first evaluate and then groom and make the most of quarterbacks, maybe overly so. Um, but is that going to happen this year? Are they going to pull one out of left field and actually draft the quarterback in the first round and have an actual competition for the starting (laughs) quarterback of the Eagles next year? I think it's a
2: possibility for this reason, Jody, uh, because they have uh, the three first-round picks, as you mentioned, 15, 16, 19, Um, Look, I I think you can't get caught up in groupthink, as I always like to say. So just because on February fourth somebody saying none of these quarterbacks are worthy of going certain certain spot, wherever you know, top ten, top twenty, whatever, um, you got to do your own due diligence. You got to trust your own scouts, your own convictions, and that's why you go talk. You know, people make a big deal out of it. You talk to everybody at these things that you can talk to. Uh, and that's why you're there to evaluate players. That's all you're doing. You're evaluating players. Kenny Pickett's the one guy I sit there and say, okay, now if that kid starts falling the 15, I think he seriously got to start talking about taking him." And then here's, here's, you know, to me, it's always been, okay. You know, you got door one, Jalen Hurts is your starter. Boom. Everybody wants to say that. Door two, you go out and get uh, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, as you mentioned. Boom, you do that. What about door three, and that you do what we always do, what they've tried to do in the past, you know, have more darts for the dartboard. You have Jalen Hurts. He's cost effective. He's still under his rookie deal. And the kid you really like falls to 15, 16, 19 which I think the most likely name is Kenny Pickett that they would like. I don't think he'll be there. But if he is there, you know, why can't you take him? And not to be the starter, just like they did before with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was originally to to be the backup. Then you spin off Gardner Minshew for a day three pick. There's all the way – there's all the things you can do. And then people say, well, look what it did to Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts isn't Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts is not going to be a shrinking violet uh, if they bring in Kenny Pickett. And then you have two chances. You know, Kenny Pickett sits there as a reserve, learns. People forget Patrick Mahomes learned under Alex Smith for a year, sat for a year. Aaron Rodgers sat for a number of years under Brett Favre, but that's going back too far. still It doesn't happen often, but it still happens. In this way, you have two shots at it. And the only reason I bring that up as a potential possibility is because they have the three first round picks. And if you're forced to take them, you know, why not take another swipe at the apples, another bite at the apple, so to speak? Why, why not? If you like the kid, but everything comes down to evaluation, obviously. I'll
1: give you another potential line of thinking. <clears throat> and if it's accurate, I love it if the Eagles are playing this game that they're doing this for show, that they're interviewing uh, Carson Strong, that they're uh, ogling uh, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and everyone else, because when they get there, when the pick pops up, when it's their selection, if there's a team out there that is more desperate to get a quarterback than the Eagles, and they actually think the Eagles may take that quarterback then they're aggressively going to try up and get to get the Eagles pick, that they want to trade into a spot to be able to acquire that quarterback, whereas the Eagles really aren't as in love with the quarterback as they may have shown that week down in mobile, and maybe they only have to drop back a couple of spots. Last year was one of the more successful drafts the Eagles have had in the last decade. What did Harry Roseman do? He traded back not a lot from what was it? Six, six, to six 12, 12,
2: and then, back to 10. and then
1: 12 back up to 10. Not a massive move in either one of them. Only six spots. wasn't like he traded all the way out of the first round. He traded back six spots. Then he moved up two spots. Well, maybe there's a team out there that wants to get their hands on Malik Willis. When number 16 comes up on the board, uh, Teddy Pickett gets taken in the top 10. Maybe Matt Corral as well. Maybe there's a team that loves Malik Willis. So, they let people believe that they may be looking at Malik Wells So, hey, you want to move up from 18 to 16? Well, we'd be willing to do that if you give us an extra pick. Howie roseman I that's one of his strong suits as far as I'm concerned. He's good at doing that during the draft maneuver deal type thing. Maybe this is just a uh, way to put themselves out there for other organizations to think, damn, we got to be able to get in front of play because the Eagles are. Well,
2: I will say, Jody, I think you're right in the fact that, uh, look, they don't want to take three first-round picks. I said their first choice to me would be to spin one off and get out and and try to get an extra uh, first-round pick in 2023 when the quarterback, and it's way too early, but people are going to do that, when the quarterback class is supposed to be better than it is this year, the only thing I hesitate about is what I just said, you know. Go back to the to Patrick Mahomes draft again, um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky was number two, um, and then it was Patrick Mahomes at number 10, and then it was Deshaun Watson at number 12. You know, people were taking shots at Patrick Mahomes. I was one of them. I thought his mechanics were awful. Guess what? His mechanics are awful. Uh, Andy Reid took a lot of heat uh, from going up, I think, from 27 to 10. He went up a long way and gave up a lot to get Patrick Mahomes. And he was getting killed. You know, you can go online and read all the stories. They're still there. Um, Obviously, there's revisionist history now. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. A lot of people criticized Deshaun Watson. And, again, this is pre-off the field. I'm talking only on the field about his potential to be a starting quarterback in this league. And everybody thought Mitchell Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky. And now Ryan Pace gets killed for it and should, and he lost his job, and he should have lost his job. But Ryan Pace wasn't the only one. The group think in the NFL at the time was that Mitchell Trubisky was better than Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. That where was where the group think got you. So my point is, if you like a quarterback like Andy Reid had the courage of his convictions and you believe in a kid, I don't care what NFL draft and insert whomever says. That's why you you can't get caught up in that stuff. And that's what the Eagles are doing. But you're right in the avenue of they probably don't want to take three first round picks. So, I will agree with you. And they want to create urgency so someone will want to get into that spot so they can spin that off.
1: That's what I think, Cowie, may be playing a game and it could be an effective one. And by the way, I thought Deshaun Watson was better than Mitch Trubisky. I didn't fall into the. Well, I didn't say you did. But a lot of people thought Mitchell Trubisky was going to be a good player. I, I did, Watson 1, Mahomes 2, Trubisky 3 was my ranking of the three quarterbacks. And Mahomes is the best. So while I'm patting myself on, on the back, not all that hard, because I had Mahomes as the second best quarterback, not the best quarterback, but I had them both ahead of that stiff Mitch Trubisky. All right, Johnny Mack with John McMullen. We are the Mac and Mack guys here on Birds 365 coming up next. Former Executive of the Year and uh, NFL GM in both Miami and New Orleans. Our buddy Manny Mueller joins us on Birds 365.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink.
0: And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
4: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka. So good. It just disappears.
5: You know, you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an independence blue cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
1: you tuning in to Birds 365 with John McMahon and Jody McDonald. We are lucky to have our next guest join us, former executive in the league GM for both the Dolphins and the Saints. His podcast, Life in the Front Office, is a must uh, listen to for all you NFL fans. Randy Mueller joins us here on Birds 365. How are you, Randy?
9: I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. I always get a little nervous when Jody starts talking about stiffs, and then he introduces me a couple <laughs> minutes later. So. I hope there's no correlation there, but I'll do my no, best. No
2: correlation. Poor Mitch Trubisky got the difference uh, <laughs> <the hitters laughs> today. Uh, Randy, uh, my first question, how much media have you done this week, and how many times have you talked about the Super Bowl, actually? <laughs>
9: Yeah. That's a great point. Um, Yeah. There's seems like the, this is the week off. So there's not much super bowl at, but as we all know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the league and some of it's, you know, uh, has to be addressed. I'll I'll say that. So that seems to be taking the first uh, first position in everybody's line of questioning. That's for sure.
2: Well, you uh, obviously you did a good uh, piece on MuellerFootball.com. I was really interested in because you've hired and been in that process, head coaches over the years. You talked about building relationships. Has the NFL set up uh, teams for failure when it comes to the Rooney Rule? In essence, uh, you know, you have to – people have called it checking the box. Right. And bottom line is the legislation forces you to interview candidates and maybe you've already decided on on a, a candidate that you wanted. Uh, so while I think it's altruistic, is it good policy, the, the Rudy Rule?
9: I think it served its purpose. I think it's a little old and played, to be honest with you. I, I've, I've been at a lot of meetings, guys, before and, and in committee meetings and at fancy resorts with owners where they decide to bring in X amount of, you know, potential coaches that are assistants around the league and get to know them and this and that. I just never have found the dialogue to mean much. I found it to be very surfacy. I found it to be uh, really not relationship building in in the comfort level that, say, you or I would build a relationship. So um, I just think it's tired. It's played. Now, that's not to say that owners are going to hire whoever they want. I'll give them, you know, that's it's their ball, right? And we're, mm-hmm. we're just all pawns in the game. But I'll say this. The GMs hold some responsibility as well. And I was happy to see a couple minority gms get jobs this year Um, i think there's progress being made there and and some of that is because of the rooney rule but i also think that we can dive deeper into the relationship part and and that really that's what i wrote it it, at my blog site was i just think it is about relationships and i think we've got to build and bond those relationships at a lower level than at a fancy resort with owners you know whether you're wearing fancy sandals or or coat and tie it doesn't really matter i just think you've You've got to find ways to do this. And I use this as an example. If, if you got 10 seconds, let me just run through this. This was my example of it. I, I, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker are two hosts on Fox Sports Radio. I didn't know either one at all. And I've done a piece with them every week for the last six or eight months. Every week I go on their show. We built a relationship where that I'm very trustworthy of these guys. I think they like me. I think we get along great come from all different angles total different perspectives on life but we've learned about each other through this business relationship to where it's almost like we've worked together now and present company excluded if i was going to hire a radio host i would talk to these guys and, and consider doing that that's how good i feel about them. well this can be carried over into football i think as well we just haven't done a good enough job of of Kindling those relationships and starting them at, a, at a, a lower level and then just see where it goes. Because like I said in the piece, I think those who hire coaches sometimes have an idea who they want to hire even before the process starts. And I think that allows you to build these relationships and communicating is hard. Building relationships is hard, as we all know, in our own homes every day. Whether it's on the street or inside our house with kids or whatever, communicating's hard. But when you do it over a period of time, you find a comfort level with the people you're communicating with. And I just found that as an, an example of what I think we don't do a good enough job in the NFL is we need to work on building relationships at a lower level. And let's just say the, the owners don't know these, you know, uh, candidates. It's up to the GMs to know it and sell it above them. They've got to know who the candidates are. They've got to have relationships with all kinds of candidates, all colors of candidates, and, and get to know them really well. And then it's up to the GMs to take some responsibility in this too and sell that, if you believe in that, to the, to the ownership or people above you within your own building. Sorry to be long-winded, but no, I, I have no a little passion no. with this, and, and I, I, hope it, I hope we change enough of it to where we can actually, you know, sit here four or five years from now and say, wow, we've come, come a ways.
1: Randy, let me uh, try and even tie the structure together a little bit more. You made a great point about how key relationships are in all these hirings and decisions that are made. Um, I'm on record as saying, and my father's an uh, ex-professional general manager in Major League Baseball, but not uh, in football, but the, the structure and the belief and the building of teams is very similar. And my father always believed that the most important relationship in the team is the general manager and the coach. That Mm -hmm. if they're on the same page and they're working hand in hand, that you've got your best chance for success. And my father was given a lot of latitude in hiring the managers when he was a general manager. I don't think that's as much in place in the NFL, that the owners are much more involved in the hiring of the coaches. You were the GM for a couple of teams, you worked for a couple other teams. What is the best structure for getting it right across the board? The general manager, the coach, how much involvement is the owner? Should the owner just hire the general manager and then let the general manager pick the coach? Should the owner hire the coach, Fred, and let him pick the general manager? Because John and I were talking earlier about the situation in uh, uh, Jacksonville
6: mm-hmm. where
1: uh, the, the coach hiree wanted to dictate who the general manager should be, which right. to me is kind of a little back ass word, but that's just me. Right. What is the best way to line up the ducks to get it right within an NFL organization.
9: Well, uh, here's the way I look at it. And I've told this story many times. I've worked under a coach. I've worked at level with a coach and I've been the coach's boss. The relationship was always the same. We did things together no matter what. I never forced it if I was the boss. I never forced it if I was pushing an agenda underneath him, I think if you can't agree at that point, you go in a different lane. So I don't know that the structure is paramount in that It's I think it's more important on how they work together. And I think what we've seen in a lot of NFL buildings now is there's there seems to be an agenda at, at work within these buildings, whether it's dictated by ownership or other people within the organization, they build a little tiny box because they don't want their own agenda or their own kingdom altered at all. And then they place these people in it, whether it's a GM, let's just say in, in New York for the Giants, they had a, they have a lot of people in, in play there. They build a little box for the GM. They they interchange coaches. And I think coaches have really been devalued because of all these things the last few years, because they're just, they're plugging them in more like baseball has become where they just plug the manager in and he, he dictates the, or the lineup cards are dictated to him. You know, so there's there's a lot of that involved, but I just think there are a lot of agendas at work in these NFL buildings, and that's what's caused some of the pain and some, you know, personality greats, but everybody's protecting their own turf, and that's not the way the NFL used to be. Used to be you would hire a GM and he's gonna work with obviously the owner has final say, but you're gonna work with all the people in the building to make sure we hire the right person to lead our football team as a coach. But I just think we've gotten away from that because we're trying to do too many things and please too many masters within these NFL buildings.
2: That's interesting, Randy, because I hadn't thought of it in a similar way to baseball and coaches being devalued Hmm. uh, because there is there seems to be a bit of it. And I know you and I are probably uh agreeing on on the group think and the philosophy and the same list and everybody works off the same list and then yep. occasionally you'll get a curveball that's been going on for years but now we have this sort of template and I don't want to disparage uh but you look at the Sean McVay tree and it's like okay Sean's successful two Super Bowls and um he'll get an opportunity to win uh his first uh, uh next weekend but um when it comes to devaluing of coaches, and and is it become more of a, a status where where you are dictating to them what you want? Because we went through Doug Peterson. I'm happy Doug got the job in Jacksonville. Three years off a Super Bowl title, he was fired here in Philadelphia. He's got a lot of cachet, or he should, but he right. didn't seem to have a lot of cachet around this league. Right. Where where's that disconnect?
9: Well, I think it, 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 it streams back to who has the owner's ears in, in, within a, a building, per se. I think there's a lot of people in the owner's ears. There's a lot of people telling them how important they are and how we don't need this or don't need that because we have that covered. And uh, so we're just going to hire a coach to roll out game plans every week. It's, it's similar with GMs as well. I find very seldom does the most qualified guy get the GM job anymore in the NFL. It's really who fits within the agendas of the people in the building. And that's, that's a, you know, I, I'm not sure that's good for ball. It's good for the people that are involved. That's for sure. But I'm not sure it's good for football for the game going forward. So, yeah, I think everybody has a say in, in their little part of running an organization as they should. Um, but it seems like they have more say than say a, a traditional GM used to have or a traditional coach used to have. So it's almost like everybody's been devalued for the sake of, of working together, which I, have always done. And I think everybody, um, that have had a, a GM job in the eighties or nineties or even early 2000, we, everybody worked together. That wasn't it. It's, it's, it might be as much about personality as anything else. Like you say, cachet a little, uh, you know, they, they don't want too much uh, of a leader, too much of a personality. We found that out a little bit with Brian Flores in, in Miami. They didn't, they didn't want too much, you know, they wanted a coach. So we'll see. I I don't know. It's it's a tough dynamic to to measure because every franchise is different and and every franchise needs a different type of coach, which obviously feeds off a different type of a GM as well.
1: Randy, following up what John asked you about and the point that you made about devaluating coaches, John and I have mentioned on the show many times that the preferable thing to do with a coaching position is, if you get a guy who's good, try and hold on to him. Continuity is always better than constant change. So we would like to see that happen. If you're a fan of a team, that's what you want to see happen. I want to ask you about a specific team that you know because you worked for him. But um, before the guy who just was a longtime coach decided to step away, Sean Payton decided he had, had enough in New Orleans. And he's going to take a year off, maybe do some announcing. Hadn't said he'll never coach again. But he did pass on uh, being the Saints coach, even though he had time left to go on his contract this year. How difficult position are the Saints in right now? That they have to replace a guy like that. If you don't have to get constant turnover in the coaching position, then you get a guy that's good enough to stick around for a decade and a half. And then you get kind of thrown into the fray and not know that it was coming. How difficult is it going to be the Saints? Because they're now down to one of just three teams without a coach. Are they in a tough spot this offseason?
9: Well, it's definitely a tough spot for them because they've got some other issues to deal with, too. Obviously, they're trying to find a quarterback. Their cap has been somewhat of a mess. So they've got two or three uh, pushback areas with, with regard to running their total organization. I think in their case, um, and, and everybody's really, they have built a criteria. I know Mickey. I know their front office. I probably am tied to there as anybody. They all know their criteria of what they want. They have assessed where they're at without Sean. Now they set a criteria as to what we want going forward. And I think that's why you see some of the names that they do. I don't think they need to, to to start a total new program and change everything. And I think they feel pretty good about their roster for the most part. Obviously, they'd like to have more depth. But I think that's why you see the the, the, the Dennis Allens, uh, the, the guys who have been tied to there in the past. Um that they don't look, they don't think they need a ton of change. So they, there's a fine line there between carrying on what Sean has done there and the culture, but yet freshening it enough to where they can still bring in new ideas. So I think that's their their dilemma right now is they, they're they caught between a rock and a hard spot in that We all deal with curveballs, not necessarily of our coach walking out the door, but we all have to deal with curveballs at an NFL level especially so i'm i'm happy they have a guy like Mickey Loomis who's seen a lot who's been through a lot who who won't make a knee jerk reaction and kind of has a view of from 30,000 feet as to what his team is and i think that's a lot of a lot of these jobs get filled around the league i think in the criteria that the the group sets isn't exactly accurate or or almost like they need some independent eyes to help them set the criteria. Some teams think they're better than others. Some team thinks they're, you know, and, and therefore they hire and think everything's great. You you mentioned Jacksonville. They think they can just plug another coach in, whether it's Doug or whoever, and be fine. Well, I ha- I think they probably need a few more things to be changed than that, but sometimes self-assessment is the hardest part of it. But I do think the Saints will get a good coach. Um, I don't think they will fare far from the tree. They'll bring in, I think, somebody who has some tie to either having been with Sean or that system uh, before they make a decision.
2: You mentioned an independent eye, Randy, Um, and this might be a difficult question to answer, but, we are where we are in this cycle, and Doug's the latest hire, and we're talking about the Marooney rule because of Brian Flores. There's only a few teams left. Houston has sort of made Brian a finalist, along with Jonathan Gannon and Josh McCown, um, two Eagles-tinted uh, uh, candidates there. Uh, all of a sudden, New Orleans' uh, Eric Bieniemy's on the list uh Miami Mike McDaniel seems to be the leader in the clubhouse we'll see how that shakes out um is there any push from the league to say the Saints to use the Saints you you have a good relationship with Mickey mm-hmm. say hey you know do us a solid take a look at Eric the is there any push like that going on from this league do you think
9: you know I don't know that's a hard one uh I'd say this, John, over my time in the league, I was never really pushed, never really suggested to me uh, what kind of a decision or what kind of action to take from the league. I never heard of it, but I mean, it it could be, uh, it would be all speculation on my part. Um, I would think the right thing to do for getting the racial part of it is that you're going to interview anybody you think is qualified. And I think Mickey has to, has to do that. I think he's done that a little bit already. So I don't know that you would need a push from the league. I'm sure the league, a hey, present climate you know, in the mix, would, would love to see minorities get more time in front of you know, any interviews, but you know, time will tell. I, I just think um, the Saints are going to have to do what's right for them at the end of the day. And if it happens to be that it is a minority that gets the job, that's because they will have thought that that's the best route
1: to go. Randy, do want to ask you about something else that's going on in the National Football League, not hiring of new coaches. This is the Senior Bowl week, and a lot of people from the National Football League are down in Mobile, Alabama. You had a bunch of different positions uh, leading up to becoming a general manager. You you filled a lot of roles, uh, wearing a lot of shoes. What is the thing that you can achieve in senior bowl week that gives you an edge over everybody else? Everyone's there. Everybody's asking questions. Everybody's scouting. Is there something that you did, you noticed over time you said, I've got to track that going forward because it's telltale. Was there anything that you ever picked up out of all your senior bowl experience? You said, yeah, here's a key aspect that we need to uh, continue to monitor year after year.
9: Yeah, there's a lot to it, to be honest with you. And, and I'm, I'll try to stay as positive as I can because I'm all for what they're doing in Mobile. And, and I, I would say this, um, year after year after year, I would go down there with our staff and we would come back and especially, and I'm talking about coaching staff and our coaches would come back and and, and a lot of times they would have reasons to not like certain players. We're there to evaluate Um, but here's the thing you got to remember. Most of these players haven't done much since Thanksgiving, right? They've been sitting around for six weeks. So I always took this into account. Let's just say it's an offensive line coach that's down there and he's seen a guy play guard for the first time ever. And he has done nothing for six weeks. How do you think he's going to look, (laughs) Joe? Not very good. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. drills are all set up for the yeah. defense to win anyway in pass rush and all the other stuff. So when you go down there, you just got to be a little careful. So I kind of surmised after many years was, should I even have the offensive line coach there? Do I want his first his first impression of a player to be this? Because we get anchored on our position, right? A lot of times you try not to. But so so the offensive line coach goes and he comes back and he's ripping apart these guys. Well, Let's go look at some film. The one thing, so, so from that, I said, okay, we're going to keep doing this. Let's make sure our, our coaches have seen some real film before we go down there. Make sure they see some school visit film that our scouts saw. So right. we're starting from uh, an impression of, uh, hey, I, I've seen already three or four games of this guy, so I know what he's been asked to do in his college that that's one uh, a little bit of a negative sense that you got to be aware of the other one what what really became a lot and we did this tons when i was in miami with nick saban we really spent more time interviewing players it was a great chance for us to get to know him personally if you weren't coaching the game we set up and, and everybody does this now but back in the day we didn't do a ton of this i really didn't do a lot of it until i got with nick and we would set up sometimes multiple interview rooms to make sure we had them all covered because it's quality time you got to spend with these players off the field to get to know them. And so I think those are big things um, that go a long ways toward evaluating now is just more interview time, more face-to-face time, more teaching, learning. How does this guy learn best? Does he learn? You know, a lot of ways that you can get to know these players in that setting without even being out at practice. So some of that stuff as well. Um, are, are things that I think uh, they're a little bit they evolve from year to year. but after you've been there a few years, those were big things for me. The interviews and really how to how to control the impressions that our coaches get and and uh, make sure they understand the background before they start making up you know uh, a case for this guy or that guy.
2: Now Randy, that's interesting because you as a GM in this league and any GM or anybody with that sort of job description, has to gather that information from all these different uh, coaches, personnel, scouts. Uh, you mentioned the coaching, the relationship there, and that collaboration has become the buzzword in the NFL. Um, but somebody's got to make the decision when it comes down to it. Somebody's got to be in charge. Um, how, how does that work when you have all these pieces working together, trying to get you or the head coach the proper information, You guys pound the table for certain players. They probably get disappointed if you go in a different direction. Is that the most difficult part of being the GM, keeping everybody on the same page in this league?
9: I think it is. I also think it's the best part about it, John, to be honest with you. It's the part I miss the most of not being with the team. I love the process. I love just the stuff that you described, getting everybody's input, putting it all together. Just pretend we start with a big, huge blank worksheet. And it's empty. There's not a, a writing on it. But by the end of the spring, it's completely full, and you can't see the white paper. So that's really what it is. And it is a process. And, and the senior bowl is just a small sliver of it. One thing we get, you know, influenced by as fans is that there's a lot of people there now. And there's a lot of non-working NFL people there. And yeah. so they are they they give impressions of this or that, they control a little bit of social media, they, they influence the fans that are out there. And yet I, I always sometimes shake my head as well. I didn't really see it like that. And what fans got to realize is there may be 10 of these inlets or outlets giving their opinions when you're inside a, an NFL building. So you've got to control and, and build them all together to come up with our place where we place a particular player. And these influencers now, they, they do a lot to really um, affect the um, uh, the impression of that fans have about players. And then we have to live with it as NFL people. So uh, I would tune out a lot of the uh, noise per se and the non the people outside of our building really during that whole process. But you're right it is a complicated process that starts with, you know, uh, the school visits all fall and those really matter. So you're gathering that from your scouts, then the senior bowl, then the combine, then the workouts you know, the individual school workouts before you even get to put it all together. And by the way, I kind of want to know as much of this as I can before we even sit down to have free agent meetings. So figure that part into (laughs) it and and add free agency in there as well. So it's a Rubik's cube, but I, that, like I said, that's, that's what kept me going. I love the process of, of building uh, a consensus on not only players, but of your plan in the off season.
1: All right, Randy, two part question here. Part one and we'll see if we can just agree on it to an extent would you say to an extent the nfl is a copycat league yeah i think so a lot of times yeah good all right then my question is about the uh, los angeles rams if they should lose this week to the cincinnati bengals will they be viewed as the team that made two of the last four Super Bowls and did so by pushing all their chips into the middle of the table and saying, draft picks? Who needs draft picks? Give us established players. Or will they be looked at the team who pushed all their chips into the table and the final pot, they got beat again, did by the Patriots three years ago, get beat by the Bengals again here. Will teams be more likely to try and follow the Rams game plan in building a roster putting together a team if the rams win the game will they be less likely if they lose the game will this one outcome of this game change how copycat uh the rams are looked at
9: well i think it's a hard question jody i i i only hesitate because i'm not sure how the rest of the league will look at it um i look at it like this I think what they've done is they've made their team better, and I don't think it's all about this year. If you offered me you know, uh, to swap Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, I'm doing that 10 out of 10 times, and I'm not worried about just doing it for this year. They've added players. Now they've added some players with lesser contracts so that someone's going to have to pay the price for some of the decisions they've made, but I don't necessarily think it's all about this year. I think it's about what they've built. Um, They have acquired some later round picks once they've given away first round picks and they've done a pretty good job of hitting on those mid to late round picks as well. I like the idea of being aggressive. I wish half the teams would consider some of this stuff, but having been around as long as I have, I know teams that wouldn't even answer the phone. For this stuff, so they're they're just not interested in it. They think, you know, they have enough players. I think that's the biggest misnomer in in the NFL is that everybody's trying to be in the middle of every deal and be aggressive. They're not. Some of these teams are very happy with their roster, and, and that's why I say the independent eye. Some of my wish could could they could use a little independent eye to to, to self assess where they're at. So I don't think this is a case for one and done. I think if the Rams do lose this game more power to them. They're going to find a way to retool. I think every year's become a retool in the NFL. I don't think a long range plan is any longer than two years, at, to be honest with you. So you guys have seen that in Philly, how they've moved people yeah. pieces and mm-hmm. people around. And I commend Howie for it. I know he's one of the guys that is in the middle of every deal and and trying to be as aggressive as he can to help his team. And he has a one eye on the future. I get it. But uh, I, I like what the Rams have done. I'll be the first to admit that uh, when they did it, I, I kind of set, my, you know, uh, pause button a little bit, but then when you really analyze it, um, they're a better team now than they've been in a long time. So I think they'd, I think they'd do it again, even if they lose this game.
2: Last one from me, Matt, Randy, and everybody should read, uh, Randy at mullerfootball.com. Great, uh, GM podcast on the athletic best in the business. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, former NFL executive of the year, Randy, I want to piggyback off that Ram sentiment because I agree with you. I I keep hearing people talk about, oh, we need this guy for the next 10 years. Your window's three years at the most (laughs) in the modern NFL. What are you you worried about? Yeah. So my question to you as a former GM is when, when you do have a proven commodity, Uh, And we'll use some of the Rams, whether it was, you mentioned Matthew Stafford, you can go to Von Miller. um, You can even go back to Jalen Ramsey versus the uncertainty of a first round pick. Yeah. We all know that's how you build your team. You got to hit on draft picks, but man, why doesn't more GMs in this league value demonstrable performance over the uncertainty of what's going to be, analytically a 50, 50 shot in the draft.
9: I think sometimes they get caught up in that they can make a difference with their draft picks. I think there's a little patting themselves on the back. And and if we don't have a first round pick, what what can I do? There's some of that. Sometimes it's cash. Sometimes it's, it's money, you know, the McVay deal uh, and even the Wentz deal, those guys, those teams paid a lot of money to those players and, and uh, then send them out of town a year or two later. That's a, that's an awkward conversation with your owner. Um, the, the Rams paid Jared Goff a ton of money and then sent him packing not too late, long after that. So I think you, you, you know, the old school thought is once we decide we're going to pay this guy, we're going to stick with it forever. And, and sometimes you end up making two wrongs to try to get it right. And it doesn't happen. So I think there are a lot of, you know, GMs that, you know, aren't, aren't aggressive. They just don't want to go and they're not confident. They don't want to go make a deal. The other thing is sometimes within buildings, you have cap people or you have other agendas that talk you out of things. And uh, that's part of their job. So I'm not, you know, uh, shedding shade on them. It's just part of their jobs. And sometimes the GM has to go out further on a limb. And, And a lot of them aren't willing to go out on limbs anymore, whether it's the money or whatever, but they've changed, kind of their dynamic as well as to how they make decisions
1: randy it sounds like you appreciate the way the rams put this team together and were aggressive and got players who were already established can i read into that that you like them to win the game next sunday or is it just well, you appreciate it and they'll take another shot again next year you well, like the super bowl
9: i do i do i i like what they've done um i do think they are the better team right now um, that's not to say that I don't love Joe Burrow. I know what Joe Burrow is, but I think the Rams are, uh, I just think it's their day. I think they can do more things offensively than the teams that the Bengals have beaten so far. So, you know, I think they'll be willing to run the ball if they have to. Now, if Cam Akers is out, that's a different story. I think that's a big injury to follow. You know, he hasn't practiced much this week. So, but right now, and I reserve my right to change my mind Jody, <laughs> next week, but, but right now i kind of like the Rams. Yeah,
1: even though he's an ex-executive, don't kid yourself. He's a good media guy that he knows how to cover his backside a little bit. Here, but I want to reserve the right to change my mind. Uh, it's I early. you on the spot. You did a good job dodging it, Randy. Uh, <laughs> no. good, good on you, my friend. Thank you. We appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thank you much. Enjoy the week. Um, enjoy the game. And we'll talk to you again down the road.
9: Thanks, guys. You too. Thanks, Randy,
1: Randy. Mueller from uh, MuellerFootball.com. Uh, does spots on Fox his podcast Life in the Front Office uh, on the Athletic is uh, one of the best football podcasts out there. Thought I could get him. He's good. Well, I reserve the right to change my mind, which yeah. he can do. It's nine days away. I'm trying to put him on the spot early. I thought I could get him to make a pick. I'm not making a picker. I'm just going to say, yeah,
2: yeah, It's way too early, but I like that he went on. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same path. I think the Rams are the better team, but I, you know, I got, I got. I got some time before I gotta make that pick, Jetty.
1: As and I am gonna reserve the right to change my mind. The only thing I'm saying today is I'm getting tired of losing to Joe Burrow. He
2: keeps That's, beating yeah, he
1: keeps beating everybody. he's, he's got something. He's got and...
2: sometimes, sometimes, you know, they're a team of fate, team of destiny, whatever you want to call it. Uh and then he got the kicker as well, Evan McPherson, who He's not Justin Tucker, but he's as close to Justin Tucker as you can possibly get. Uh, and as a rookie kicker, talk about it. Uh, Evan Cool, we can call him that.
1: Burrow is looking pretty good with that victory cigar, and I think he wants to do one more. I'm not making my pick yet. If Randy Mueller doesn't have to make his, John no. McMahon doesn't have to make his, I'm not making mine either. But I'm acknowledging that Joe Burrow doesn't like losing, and he's been pretty damn odd this last month and change. All right, uh, come back, put a bow on the show. Final segment of a football Friday on Birds 365.
3: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't.
0: Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
4: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. So good it just disappears.
5: You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24 7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1 844 200 2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan.
6: Field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you.
1: Seven, four, three. One,
6: two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
1: Mac guys, here I'm third, 365. Uh, Johnny Mac I need to ask you February 4th 2018. Do you remember where you were?
2: Um, I was in Minneapolis still. I was uh, stuck there what 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 uh yeah I was stuck there for uh, two days after the Super Bowl maybe three days. I can't remember that, but yeah, I was in Minneapolis.
1: Okay, Bloomington. So this, this is the uh, four-year anniversary of when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. This day four years ago, February fourth. Uh, so you were in the building when the Eagles won that Super Bowl. You referenced it earlier about uh, having some good conversations afterwards with Frank Reich in the locker room and like, what did you do afterwards?
2: After the Super Bowl, I yeah. went back to the media room and wrote for about four hours and then I uh went back to my hotel room and collapsed <laughs> and then got up for the Super Bowl winning press conference uh the next day at the mall of America very uh, nice yeah, not exciting not exciting at all after that, then I think we hit the bar for a few drinks after that that night uh. But yeah, I so the, uh,
1: so the Monday night was more of a celebration than Sunday yeah, night. Sunday yeah. night, you were still on the clock.
2: Yeah, celebration of a, a job well done, not celebration of an Eagles victory. That was oh, for the you all
1: you, oh, you guys patting yourselves on the back yeah. is what you're telling me. Yeah, now well, okay. yeah. well
2: you know, good for do, the Eagles, but you know,
1: you do what you um, got to do. The, Eagle, yeah. the Eagles would not allowed you to get that job well done had they not won the game. Um, I remember because. I used to do the show leading up to the Super Bowl on CBS Sports Radio. I've been a Sunday guy for them for sneaking up on a decade now, and I used to do the two to six shift. So it was before the Super Bowl, so it was great. I like the pregame show to the Super Bowl on CBS Sports Radio. Now I'm actually on against the Super Bowl, which stinks. But uh, your, your your gig is your gig, and you do it as best you can that night. I got out of there at 5.55 and got in my car. Usually I take the train home. Oh, no, car's faster. I prayed that there was going to be no traffic. I told my wife, because she had like two or three invitations for us to go with Eagle fan friends to be able to watch the game and celebrate and the like. I said, no, honey, I want to watch this one by myself. I wanted to sit at home and watch the game. And with my wife and my daughter, if they uh, certainly, I think my daughter went out, she goes, Dad, see you later, bye, I'm going out with friends. I want to party if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. So it's just me and my wife, and I just wanted to watch the game by myself, pay attention to it, see if they actually won a Super Bowl. I was not in the partying mood. Now, you work too. I work, but I work from the comfort of my own couch, but I needed to pay uh, strict attention to that game as I could. And, yeah, there was some pretty good celebrating just between me and my wife and the house afterwards.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, when you're at the game, there's not much celebrating to be done. You got you to gotta get down to the uh, bowels of the building. You got to get down to the locker room. And Minneapolis was set up to where the media workroom was in the office building across the street. Uh, so you had to, after all the locker room stuff, I had to uh, – try to get over there in i think negative two degrees or whatever how how long
1: a walk was no
2: it wasn't it wasn't a long walk but when it's that cold you know i lived in that area for about a decade so it's amazing how you get used to it and then how you get unused to it
1: very very quickly Well, it was a yeah heck of a game just four years ago and ironically enough, on the day that we celebrate four years ago that the Eagles won it all, Doug Peterson, the guy in charge, gets back into the mix as he is named the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And yes, uh, we're planning on doing this uh, Birds 365 show uh, going forward for who knows how long. We will be on the day that they release the NFL schedule. And as much as there are two matchups against the Cowboys. they are two matchups against the Commodores. Uh, the Commanders. Commanders. The Commodores Commanders. might be better. Yeah, I might want to see the Commodores. The Commodores. Yeah. Uh, there are two matchups against the Giants. Their matchup in Indianapolis against Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. Oh yeah, I want to know what day they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Eagles get to play Doug Pierce. Yeah, that's gonna that's
2: gonna be typically
1: if it were just normal Jacksonville. That might be the worst game of the year. Right now, uh, it might
2: be the best game of the year.
1: Yeah, you, you. That's one of the ones that if you're on the secondary ticker market, well, we could move this and it'll pay for the other games that yeah, I have yeah. to pay for. Oh no, that'll be one the eagle fans will be keeping going forward this year. All right, J Mac, I say we do this again uh, next week. Now, uh, for those out there, uh, the entire Jacob Media YouTube channel is going to take some time off around the Super Bowl. Uh, a couple of days before, a couple of days after. So you and I got a couple of shows next week to do leading up to the Super Bowl. I will see you on Monday, partner. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy the Pro Bowl even bigger. I can't miss the Pro Bowl. We'll be back talking about the Pro Bowl right here Monday. (laughs) Not on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.